0: Believers Building Bridges podcast, where believers of all persuasions Catholics, Protestants, Pentecostals, Latter day Saints all are made to feel at home. We welcome you, yes. We believe if Jesus is the Lord of your heart and life, and He's the Lord of my heart and life, we're family. You're my brother, my sister, and I welcome you. Hi. My name is Lynn Ridenour, founder of the Believers Building Bridges podcast. As I've said in previous podcasts, we'll be discussing a wide range of topics as we spend our time together. Topics such as, what is the church? Who is a Christian? Does God still speak today? Does the Bible teach conformity of doctrine or unity of the Spirit? I would like to speak to you today on the subject, the resurgence, a new hunger among Latter-day Saints to return to the experiences of the early saints. One day, Brother Wade and RLDS 70 approached me and he said, Lynn, I want you to start traveling with me. I said I would, and for about a year, we traveled from one end of this country to the next, holding weekend CCC rallies, which stood for Contemporary Christian Center an alternative-style praise and worship movement, primarily for teens and 20-some-year-olds, as well as young couple, Paul Asiro, Native American, often traveled with Wade and me. The three of us began to see God move, for instance. We're in Detroit, attending a weekend CCC rally, and when we pulled up into the parking lot, I could hear music coming from the open windows. We get out of the car and walk inside. I immediately notice the dress is casual. The service was about to begin. Brother Hankins asked me to sit up front with him. An overhead projector was turned on, and the words of a song flashed on a big screen for all to see. No hymn books. Here I was, standing in the middle of a group of people who, whose average age was the late 20s. I watched as eyes begin to close, as heads begin pointing upwards, as voices begin to blend and hands extend heavenward. The atmosphere, it wasn't rowdy or irreverent. Actually, the mood was quite serene. I noticed everyone seemed to be connecting with the Spirit of God. Testimonies were alive, they were fresh. A short message by Brother Hankins was given. Then personal ministry began. These young people, I whispered to myself, acted as though God would answer their prayers. Right then, I can still see the lady. I'm guessing she's in her early forties, no doubt. She's been deeply touched by the worship. She was in tears. She's walking toward us. We're standing in front of the church, and we're huddled around her, about ten of us. Everyone else has gone downstairs for a potluck, and she begins to tell us her story. Just recently, she'd been diagnosed with breast cancer, and the cancer had spread to her lymph nose, and she had a lump on her breast, and she mentioned that... They had done exploratory surgery and sewed her back up, sent her home, telling her she has but weeks to live. Her entire body was riddled with cancer. Brother Hankins motions for one of the girls to move closer and asks her to lay her hand on the woman's breast, and then he places his hand on the girl's hand and begins to pray. He curses the lump in the name of Jesus and commands it to dissolve. There was a gasp, a sob, and a break in Wade's voice. Everyone looked up. The woman was crying, and the girl who had laid her hand on the woman's breast was visibly shaken. I heard the woman softly say, It's shrinking." I was crying. She went home, and we went downstairs to join in the potluck. Well, during potluck, we sat around in different rooms, visiting, getting acquainted, I was sitting in a small Sunday school room with three young married men. I'd never been to Detroit. We were talking baseball when three young lads, four or five years old, come running into the room. Obviously, they'd come to see their dads, and I noticed one boy, the third one, comes dragging his foot, slowly limping. He was so bow-legged. The other two were running, jumping and having a good time and the bow-legged little boy climbs up in his dad's lap and I was deeply touched. It was one of those moments where a person acts before he thinks. I was whispering to the Lord, "'Lord, this seems so unfair.' I caught myself saying to the father, "'Sir, would you hand me your son? I was actually taken back.' I had my arms extended to his son and was a little surprised. I was that bold. The father looks at me, but hands me his son. I set him on my knee and say a simple prayer, Jesus, please straighten out his legs. Those legs were so crooked. And I look over at the son's father. He was crying. I look at the other two men, and they had tears in their eyes. And the father then said, they're straightening. Now, I could hear something, but I couldn't see anything. He was sitting on my lap. All three of those fathers watch as the Lord straightens out that little boy's bowed legs. It took the Lord about 15, maybe 20 seconds. And then, I mean suddenly, the boy jumps down off of my lap and immediately, yes, immediately, he runs out of the room chasing the two other boys and the father He lost it. His eyes were now water spouts. And I hear him say, that's the first time I ever saw my son run. And brothers and sisters, I lost it too. Oh, the simplicity of the Lord and the power of the Lord and the compassion of the Lord. I continue to say, every miracle of God is a kiss on the cheek from our heavenly Father saying, I love you. Oh, about the lady with cancer. About two weeks after I'd returned home, one evening the phone rang. It was the lady we'd prayed for who was given but weeks to live. She'd gone back to her doctor, had a CAT scan. No cancer, not a trace of cancer in her body. And as we say here in Missouri, praise the precious name of our Lord. Yes, There is a resurgence among the Latter-day Saints to witness and to experience the miracles and the healings and the spiritual manifestations of the early saints. Another example. I never will forget this service. We're in Dallas, Texas. Roy and Gina Brown, neighbors of ours, Marilyn Wood, a friend, and my wife, and I made the trip in Roy's van, and we shared stories and sang on the way down, and about 10 hours of driving and singing, we pull up into the church parking lot. We'd been fellowshipping with the Lord and with one another for hours, and were quite frankly primed and ready to worship. Well, The ladies freshen up while we men unload the van, and I could already hear praise music inside, and Roy and I were both anxious to join in. The parking lot was buzzing. People were shaking hands, hugging, chatting, and it was like old friends meeting. Roy and I, we walk inside and could hear the singing in the sanctuary. And while standing in the foyer, I watched a car pull up close to the doorway. A man opens the door for his wife, but first reaches inside the back seat and pulls out a wheelchair, unfolds it, and then assists his wife. I thought it was a bit unusual that he wheeled her inside, then quickly drove off. The foyer was packed. "'Are you Brother now? asks a man as he walks over and introduces himself. And I say, "'Yes, I am.' And he says, "'My name is Peter. And my sister in Tulsa said that you prayed for the sick. Would you mind praying for Sally?' We had just come from a wonderful meeting in Tulsa. Some remarkable healings had occurred. Roy and I were still standing in the foyer. Word gets out, by the way, when miracles begin to occur." And I said, sure, I'd be happy to. He walks over about 10 feet and wheels the lady in the wheelchair in front of me. Brother Ridenour, I want you to meet Sally, a good friend of mine. I reached down and took her hand. Hi, Sally. Let's go in this Sunday school room, Roy. So he wheels in Sally, and Sally begins to tell her story. She had not walked in 11 years. Her legs were paralyzed, and she was in a lot of pain. It was good having Roy along. Roy believes in the presence and in the power of God. He believes in miracles. They're part of his lifestyle. It was simply nice having a kindred spirit in the room. There's something very real in the spirit world about collective faith. Well, Peter was in the room, and I could tell, was primarily an observer, and Sally, I could tell, too, had little faith. She had received, over the years, so many prayers and administrations for healing, and nothing had happened, so she had little faith of being healed. Roy and I, we began to pray. I asked her if she object, if I put my hands on her leg. She she agreed. I could feel her cold flesh. And I begin to command life to return to her leg. At the same time, Roy was laying his hands on her head and praying softly in tongues. And I would pray and then reach my hand out and say, Sally, it's time to get up. She would respond, oh, I'm scared. I'm scared I'll fall. So I'd pray some more and then ask her to get up. And she would respond in fear. I'm scared I'll fall. That went on for about 40 or 45 minutes. Finally, I didn't know what to do. I backed up, folded my arms, bowed my head, and I said softly under my breath, Lord, I don't know what else to do. I've done everything. I know what to do. And then suddenly, the Spirit of God comes into that room. He comes upon us. We begin to sense His presence. And I just remained still with my head bowed. I wasn't praying i was rather enjoying his presence and this time i calmly look sally in the eye and i reach out my hand and i say in a soft but deliberate voice sister i want you to get up she takes my hand and with roy supporting her she slowly after 11 years of paralysis in her legs she stands up oh yes You could feel the atmosphere in the room shifting. The longer she stood, the more her countenance changed. And I looked at Peter, and a tear was slowly making its way down his cheek. And I could tell Sally was experiencing the power of God, perhaps for the first time in her life. And her facial expression was telling us she was part of something she'd never before experienced. All of us in that room were watching a miracle. And this lady, as said, had been paralyzed for years. And when I put my hands on her legs about 40-some minutes ago, they were cold, they were lifeless. Now life had returned, and Roy then did something that took us all by surprise. He pulls the wheelchair out from behind her, wheels it around and puts it in front of her. She grabs hold of its handles. And I say, Sally take a step and she did I say take another one and she does she slowly takes one step after another step and wheels the wheelchair into the wall it's a very small room and I could hear praise the Lord Roy and Peter both said it at the same time and all of a sudden it dawns on me we're facing the wall Sally's against the wall and I say tell you what I said, Sally, Roy will be right behind you so you won't fall. Why don't you push your empty wheelchair inside the sanctuary? And Roy said, Lynn, they're in the middle of worship. And I said, I know, grinning, there's nothing like a miracle to break up a worship service. Let's do it. And Sally agreed to everyone's delight. Sally led the way. We opened those swinging doors at the back of the sanctuary. And in walks Sally. Her friends, two or three hundred of them, are inside. Sally's pushing her empty wheelchair up the aisle. Roy was behind her. Then Peter and I brought up the weir. The minister was up front making announcements. He stops. And everyone in the room begins seeing their friend, dear sister Sally, walking up the middle of the aisle. And brothers and sisters, it gets quiet and people I notice begin standing in the pews. They can't see. It's like all of a sudden the Dallas Cowboys had just scored the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Suddenly, as if on cue, the entire congregation explodes in an eruption of cheers and hand clapping, even yells. And I thought, cheers in the sanctuary? Wow. Wow. Every person in that room had lost their church composure as Sally pushes her empty wheelchair around the sanctuary. And now Sally was pushing her wheelchair almost at a normal pace. She went up the middle aisle, turns right, and heads down the side aisle. Well, she gets to the rear of the church. Service was over. She was standing around in the back, talking with her friends, still holding on to her wheelchair, and I was thinking, well, she might be overdoing it a little. After all, she hadn't walked in 11 years, and about 45 minutes ago, her legs were cold and paralyzed. Well, what I was about to witness, I will take to the grave. It was one of those tender moments straight from heaven. Her husband, like he had done for 11 years, was standing out in the foyer and Sally begins to walk through those swinging doors and I yell to Sally, wait a minute, Sally, wait for me. I wanted to sneak through those foyer doors, stand by her husband, and look at his face when she walks through those doors. Well, into the foyer walks this man's lovely wife, pushing her wheelchair. My eyes are glued on this man. He's slow to react. The scene is almost too much for him. Then walks toward him and puts her arms around her husband. He was holding her tightly, visibly shaken. And the foyer was full of friends, many of them teary-eyed. Yes, it was one of those Oscar-winning moments. The husband folds up the wheelchair, an act I'm sure he's done hundreds of times, and escorts his wife to the car. He puts the empty wheelchair in the back seat, and this time does something he's not done in a long time. He opens the door for his wife, and she sits down, and the two, they drive away. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't get much better than this and what the saints are experiencing. No, it's not some strange new doctrine. Oh, no. Worship services in Kirtland among the early saints were somewhat open, free-flowing. Miracles, healings, visions, visitations from personages were experienced. Listen to this quote from Brother Joseph's personal journal. He wrote this in 1836, page 140 unceasing praises swelled our bosoms for the space of half an hour. We accordingly closed the service and returned home about two o'clock in the morning. On January the 4th, here's another one. 1836, Brother Joseph records, Many of the others, meaning the others in the congregation, saw glorious visions. Angels administered unto them as well as to myself. This all lasted until nearly two in the morning. Another quote. On March the thirtieth, eighteen thirty six, there was a meeting conducted in the Kirtland Temple with over 300 saints present. I quote volume 2 of your church history, page 379. The brethren continued exhorting, prophesying, and speaking in tongues until 5 o'clock in the morning. Again, I continue quote volume 2, page 381 and 382. The gift of tongues fell upon us in mighty power. Angels mingled their voices with ours. While their presence was in our midst, we accordingly closed our service, returned home about two o'clock in the morning, and the spirit and visions of God attended me throughout the night. Yes, brothers and sisters, spiritual manifestations and supernatural encounters, visions, and prophecies, they were widespread among the early Latter-day Saints. Well, until next time, God bless you. One other thing, should you be interested in following our ministry, that is, in keeping up with the latest, I invite you to browse our website, believersbuildingbridges.org. And again, until next time, God bless you.